0: Hi everyone, good morning. This is Seeking Sustainability Live. I'm JJ Walsh and today I am talking with a mindfulness coach who's based in Kawasaki. Thank you so much for joining Brigitte.
1: Thank you so much Joy for having me. I'm so grateful to be here for sure.
0: It's so wonderful to have you today. Uh, We're just gonna chit chat for a couple minutes while some people join us uh, this morning. If you're joining, feel free to write a question or comment below and we will try to fit it in. So, Brigitte, is it Brigitte? Is that right? Yes, Okay. yes, good. that's good right. <laughs> um, so, how's the weather in Kawasaki today? Uh, it's really
1: nice weather. I mean, spring is already here, I feel like. Uh, I can't wait to see the sakura. So, yeah. gonna be very soon, right? I think it's the same in Tokyo. Wow. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm based in Hiroshima, so maybe a little bit earlier for us. Um, I did a, a walk yesterday and I, I shared on my live streams. Uh, it's a rose garden, but they have some beautiful sakura trees. And when I first went in there, I thought, oh, they don't have any sakura yet. But then as I walked in further, I saw some are coming out. And I was so excited to share yeah. that because they're so beautiful when there's only a few. They look yeah. more special somehow.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Is it warmer in Hiroshima right now?
0: Uh, Probably about. It's always the temperature itself is probably about the same as Tokyo. Yeah. It looks like a a few people have joined us, so let's go ahead and start. Brigitte, could you tell us a little bit about how you ended up in Japan?
1: Yeah, sure. Long story short, I started to have this relationship with Japan uh, maybe 10 years ago or even more than that. Uh, I grew up getting interesting in the culture about like uh, tea and onsen and all these kind of stuff. And then I decided at one point I wanted to visit the country. So about 10 years ago... Brigitte,
0: your camera has frozen. Could you just turn off the camera and turn it back on and it should fix it? Sometimes happens with live stream. (laughs) <laughs> there
1: you are okay sorry perfect please continue so i was saying that 10 years ago i visited japan for the first time uh, 40 days i was uh, going around the country so i went to hiroshima i visited um yeah 40 days and then i came back to canada and i wanted to come back to japan to experience the life here because i enjoyed the experience of tourism uh, so i came back on a working holidays visa one year so i did work for six months and i did travel for about six months traveling is a big word but i was just like trying cities around the country and then yeah i i enjoy it so much so i was like if this is life in japan i want to come back so i came back as a student I was studying in uh, Kyoto. I was studying uh, Japanese for one year. And then after that, I decided to move next to the big city to be able to find a job and be able to work as an English teacher, for sure. That was the first entrance for me. And now I'm I have my own business and I'm working as a mindfulness coach. Um, yeah we're gonna go deeper in that maybe later and I just like it here I mean at first I was coming for maybe two years three years just to see how is it like a long-term life in here in Japan but it's almost eight years now so yeah I think I like it
0: <laughs> that's wonderful it's so it's so interesting to hear about your journey and I'm so glad to hear that you're able to do mindfulness coaching kind of as your main thing. I I talked to some farmers yesterday. They're not they're so passionate about farming, but they're not able to do it as their full time career yet. Right. Mm-hmm. And I often, you know, meet people who have to keep English teaching a little bit to make ends meet. And mm-hmm. that's fine, but it's it's not really how you want to live your life. So that's mm-hmm. that's so wonderful mm-hmm. to hear. Now, most of your coaching is done in French. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's right, yeah. But just to, to be specific, I, I still work um, in Hoi but I'm part-time, and I'm transitioning to be full-time as a coach. And I have other projects with École that maybe we're gonna dive in uh, later. Um, yeah, so I, what was the question again?
0: Oh yeah, in French. <laughs> so are you finding enough uh, demand mm-hmm. for your services just in French? That's amazing.
1: Yeah, because right now everything can be done by Skype or Zoom or online, right? So it's easy for me to find people um, in France or in Switzerland or even in Canada. Uh, so it's not that complicated for that, but I'm translating my material slowly, slowly in English to be able to uh, coach in English too, because I got some people approaching me like, oh, I would like to do it, but it's only in French. But I'm like, I'm translating it right now, but it takes time, right, to, um, to be able to do both languages. Uh, yeah, so I need this time.
0: Well, I'm, I'm always impressed when I see you're from Canada and I when I see Canadian products, and they always have to have both languages. They have to have English and French. I'm I, I always hope that would be the future for Japan. That Japan mm-hmm. for right. visitors would be so much more accessible mm-hmm. if there were <laughs> bilingual labels. But now we have technology so people can mm-hmm. use the Google Translate app or something. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah it's really helpful actually. Yeah. I yeah.
0: totally understand. I, I think yeah, we're getting there, right?
1: I, I don't know. I mean, I'm Seems a little better than it, yeah. it was before.
0: <laughs> um, you mentioned Echo Echolocal and that's mm. how we connected. And I found on Instagram, one of your posts, you were mentioning Fab Night, Fab Cafe Tokyo. Yes. Uh-huh. And you uh, were talking about Echolocal. So Helene, who's been in the series yes. and Web We Morty uh who's been in the series and fridays for the future who's been in the series and place to grow who's been in the series so that was all in one night you have a few of the people who've appeared in the seeking sustainability live series which just so fun it was
1: it was really fun it was my first event like this kind of type of event in Japan. Um, it was special circumstances because of COVID, but it was so much fun. I met like new people, like you you say, all the people you just uh, mentioned, um, and it really motivated me and, um, helped me to understand where we are here in Japan. Like like regarding sustainability and eco-friendly products or is zero waste shopping. I really enjoy my night and I learned so much and connecting with these people, they have like um, how to say really important. And I think really like genuine um, values that are towards people and towards the planet. So it really like, how to say it was really inspiring. I mean, you said Angela. Angela was really, really fun to talk with. Um, yeah, so I had a much yeah, it was really nice. And I hope we can do these kind of events like in the future with Ecole Cal for sure. Um, I'm sure they have some plans online. So yeah. And to meet you, maybe on one yeah, point. No, that's
0: wonderful. And then I'm just gonna give a little shout out to the other amazing French female entrepreneurs who have been in the series. So I think you know them. I think you know Clementine Senner. Do you?
1: I don't know her. Personally, I follow her on Instagram, but I don't know her personally. But I think Ilan knows her personally. So and yeah. A
0: lot of the things that you talk about, like upcycling old clothes, mm-hmm. how uh, you we'll talk about a bit later about fast fashion. So yes. Clementine is upcycling beautiful old kimono into yeah. high quality, beautiful bags and textiles mm-hmm. that she makes so excellent. And then yeah. do you know Sorel in Fukuoka? No. So no, I don't know. Cyril Tama, and she is doing a lot of interesting entrepreneur work. Um, Digito is one of her companies. Um, Dokocha is another. So she's making connections between the Japanese tea industry mm-hmm. and uh, the foreign inbound market. And she's doing. And then, of course, you know Helen, who yes. started <laughs> EcoLocal. <laughs> so Mm -hmm. yeah really interesting i i always meet french travelers who really love (laughs) visiting japan you know so it's it's so nice to see that it's not only travelers that um french female entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. are also finding a home in Mm -hmm. japan and feeling supported Mm -hmm. um for what you want to do so that's wonderful
1: yeah, and it, it's funny that you're mentioning it because uh, we are working with uh, uh, Nori-san, like she's uh, co-founder of Ecolocal and she says like the other week she was saying like, oh, I'm surrounded by French people like all the time. It's only French people. I think the community is really small. So yeah, we we know each other quite like fast. Like yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: That's great. And when I talked to Sorel, I think she was saying how in France she was trying to do very similar things and i think clementine said that as well in france she was doing similar things and then Mm -hmm. when she came to japan she actually found it easier in many ways like more supported had have Mm -hmm. you found that like the kinds of things that you want to do you're finding Mm -hmm. enough support in japan
1: um to be honest i i didn't coach when i was in canada so i can't compare for that Uh, But I will say that here, the community, what I found like in entrepreneurship, uh, the community is really supportive and people, I mean... From my side, I don't see any competition right now. I just see like there's space for everybody. So everybody get their own um, clients and everybody get their own like feel of expertise. And if we are on the same page with some things, it's good to exchange. And I had this pleasure to exchange with people, uh, not only in mindfulness and coaching, but even in like sustainability life or secondhand shopping and all this stuff. And people are helping each other. I feel like it, like, or maybe it's just like small entrepreneurs try to lift up each other or maybe it's our generation. I don't know what it is exactly happening right now, but I feel like it's really beautiful and I like it and I like to be part of it. Um, Yeah, it's really encouraging, like for the future. That's
0: wonderful. Well, tell me about TNJ. How did you (laughs) decide on the name? Where does it come from?
1: Yes, uh, TNJ. I mean, it's Tisane et Jasette in French, so it means herb tea. And I don't like the word small talk, but it's like little chat. Uh, So it's like talking, like casual talking. Uh, So herb tea and casual talking. Um, It came out to me because I was brainstorming for names and everything. And I know I love tea. I love tea so much. But at the time, I was more in herbal tea. So I was like, why not Cezanne? And it sounds more fancy in French, Cezanne, than tea, just like normal so usually um and jazette it's like um a word that we use in quebec usually french people don't understand it um and it's more like small talk with friends and i wanted to create this space of people can come and exchange and just be comfortable and in a safe space to share the experience uh because maybe as you saw on my blog when i started i started the blog um i wanted to share things that i was like going through at the time or experiencing at the time and are not like hot topic <laughs> when I started, like, um, woman body hair or, uh, anything, sorry, anything about minimalism like a couple of years ago, it was not like well received by the society. So I wanted to talk about these, uh, put my heart out there and feel safe and comfortable. And I wanted the people to feel safe and comfortable, like they were having, a warm cup of tea with a friend and exchange so it started from that and then from that i started the podcast podcasting and then i did the coaching just right after because i saw a demand on this side like oh could you help me with that i have this problem and i'm facing this so yeah that was uh, how it started for the name mm-hmm.
0: that's wonderful uh, louise papi has joined from new zealand she's a oh. tour guide there uh konnichiwa girls she says konnichiwa luis thanks for joining <laughs> hi
1: good morning
0: <laughs> so tell you have got a few different themes on your blog and in your podcast yes uh one of them is about your vegan story do you want to tell us about that
1: Yes. Um, <clears throat> I started to be vegan when I came to Japan. So I started the hardcore way. <laughs> um, and eight years ago, it was not, I mean, yeah, almost six years. Yeah, six years ago when I came back. Um, so, yeah, it was not that easy um, at first because, first of all, I couldn't read the labels um and then i there was no restaurant and especially in kyoto there was nothing and now i think kyoto is the place they have the most restaurants uh vegan restaurants right now plant based one so it's interesting like six years ago there was nothing almost nothing um and now i think it's easier but when you start being vegan in japan it can be challenging even if you like if you don't speak the language but now there's so many like communities and i connected with people online and i was looking for website giving advice how to get like vegan yogurt or vegan cheese and all this stuff didn't exist at the time by the way the vegan cheese in japan now we have (laughs) and then i connected with this this group um of activism like vegan activism and at the time i was I wanted to be involved and do something for the animals and do something for the planet. So I connected with them and I show up at some events and it started to be like really strong relationship, really strong friendship. I'm still friends with them. Uh, The events are suspending right now because of COVID. So the group is For Animals Japan. Shout out to them if they're passing from here. Um, Yeah, and then So yeah, I started that, I built in my my own community, my own friendship with them. And it's really easy, like when you know people are going through the same thing as you. So it's been almost six, I I don't remember my vegan (laughs) mystery, six years-ish. And at the beginning, it was not too hard for me because I went to the the extreme opposite. For me, it was like nothing in the house was going um, to enter if it's not vegan. Um, and I did like slowly outside at restaurants, uh, to understand the vocabulary, the, yeah, use, using my Google translate. Um, so yeah, I was at the, um, I still do with my phone when you're at the supermarket, just to look at the translation. And when you're not sure you just contact people, you know, so yeah, I still do that. It's still challenging, but I don't like to say it's challenging because for me, it's more part of my lifestyle now. So it's more like a second, um, how to say how do you say yes I can nature now thank you and I know where I can go uh, what I where I can go what I can eat and yeah what I decide to eat or not and
0: that's wonderful yeah. and I, I think it definitely has improved uh, yeah. in terms of the understanding there is more understanding there and mm-hmm. uh, and then being near mm-hmm. Tokyo you have a lot more options I'm so jealous you have, <laughs> you have many more options than we do but even in our area it is mm-hmm. improving now, your main focus is yoga and meditation. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're doing uh, yoga sessions on Instagram that people can join for a small donation mm-hmm. and also doing meditation. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started with that? And
1: Yeah, sure. Um, actually, I started to do meditation uh Couple of years ago, and I started to take it seriously when I entered my school years in Kyoto. So my friend told me um, I made a date every day in the morning, five minutes for my concentration, and I was like, "Let's try this." And I just tried to do meditation every day when I was studying, and it really improved my concentration, my focus at school, and I was so like up to it. Like I was like. Um, addicted to it at one point. And I was like, okay, let's try 10 minutes. And then I build up my practice like that. And then it was on and off because like, I was not taking it too seriously. I was just using it for uh, one purpose. It was my focus and my attention. And then I went to, um, I did the 88 temples walk couple of years before that i did meditation with a uh, buddhist monk at the time but i didn't know and then when my friend introduced me i took it more seriously but two years ago i went two years two years and a half ago i went to a meditation retreat for 10 days i did a um, silent meditation for 10 days uh it's 10 hours a day of meditation and I took it seriously and I was studying uh, quite hard and I enjoyed my experience so much. And I was like, I need to share that. And I was starting Cezanne and at the same time. So for me, it was important to share it with people, my experience over there. And I was telling people like, you have to do it. You have to try. Like, it's like better than 10 days of vacation. It's like 10 days of a vacation for your mind. Um, and you become refreshed and rested and all this stuff but it's hard. <laughs> it's really really hard. But it's a really nice experience. And then from then I build up like more how to say I was more serious about my practice and I found out like all these uh, things about spirituality and connecting with myself, my intuition, put myself first to understand who I am, um, to be able to build something uh, with people around me and to share my experience. And then mindfulness came around a year and a half. like I got in mindfulness like when I understood that mindfulness is not only meditation, it's every part of your life. You can be mindful in every situation of your life. You can be mindful during a conversation. You can be mindful drinking a cup of tea, a cup of coffee. You can be mindful for hiking or when you you go out, out doing it, your hobby. Um, and then I realized that mindfulness, it's, it's just to give like your full attention 100% or even 110% of your attention and focus to something. And it gives your brain a break. When I realized that, I was like, wow, like everybody can do that. I mean, on small or bigger scale, everybody can do that and everybody can have beneficial like um, outcomes from that. So I was like, it's not only focus and attention, it's like more peace of mind, uh, more calm. And then to experience mindfulness and meditation through my life, really uh, increased my understanding of myself. And I'm able now to step out of situation and to observe it with a mindful um, mindful eye, awareness, and put names on it. So I can put names on my emotions, I can put names on my, my needs, my wants, and now, this is why i'm teaching and coaching like to be able to understand that but the first step is meditation is mindfulness to be able to to go out of the situation um and to be on able to understand what's going on Mindfulness and meditation is the new sport kind of thing uh, in the 80s or even in the 70s when people were running on the street and like for a jog, people will be like, what are you doing? Who's chasing you? Like, like what's going on in your head? Why are you running? And people were like, oh, it's just to get fit. It's just to get like in shape, to get healthy now I think meditation is the new like kind of sport. Uh, now we understand we have to take care of our body physically, but we have to take care of our mind too. So take a rest for our mind and work out our mind because it's something like, it's like, a, it's a muscle. So you can work out your mind and uh, build up this mindfulness awareness for yourself. And yoga is meditation and movement. That's the, the root of yoga. So I started yoga three years ago as a practice and now I'm studying to be a teacher yoga teacher and I want to implement this in my coaching for sure uh, because I think it's so much beneficial and I'm trying to with my yoga um, my yoga practice and my yoga teaching I'm trying to teach people that um, it's okay not to be okay it's okay to connect with your emotions and not to act on it but to feel them and just to be instead of doing things just accept that sometimes you can be and it's good to be yeah i don't know if resist.
0: <laughs> no fantastic uh <laughs> we had a comment from fras 2015 oh wow i wish i could watch this live i have so many questions but i have class shortly i will watch later no problem fras uh please enjoy it later and if you have any questions or comments you can write them below and we will try to respond sometime later when you have time, no problem. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that idea of being in the moment, the mindfulness, and we, we often talk about this in the series, right, it often comes up. Um, but when, I'm showing pictures now of your Shikoku pilgrimage. Yes. So was that part of the philosophy when you were doing the pilgrimage, was to also be in the moment? Tell mm-hmm. us about that experience, it looks amazing.
1: Thank you. Uh, It was amazing. I did it two times. Um, The first time on my working holidays visa. So I didn't have this mindset at the time for sure. Um, I was really, how to say, um, just going for the experience. And I wanted to travel uh, around Japan and by foot, it was like, wow, that would be amazing. Uh, And I love temples. And that's the irony. I'm introducing mindfulness to people here and they don't understand the concept and actually Buddhism, it's one of the root of mindfulness. It's the root of mindfulness. So that's why it's like and how do you say, contradictory? Yeah, So yeah, and um, I went to Shikoku a couple of years ago, and then I went back in 2019, Um, and then at the time, I was already practicing meditation, and I read some books on mindfulness, on meditation, so I had this mindset, but the click was really after it, but when I was into the second time of Shikoku, uh, sometimes it was painful, it was hard on the body, it was hard on the mind, but I had some tools at the time that I was able to be in the moment and grateful and grateful for my heart beating and my my breath, like going out of breath <laughs> on the top of the mountain, but I was grateful to be there and to be experienced all this. So of course I soaked in more information and more nature and more experience out of my second time than my first time. Um, yeah, and I want to do it a third time. But uh, yeah, so if you have any question on that, I love to talk about chico <laughs> um, The second time around, it took me, is this 59, 58 or 59 days around that? Yes, it's, uh, so it's for the people who doesn't know uh, what it is, it's um, a, <clears throat> It's a pilgrimage around Shikoku Island. So you start from one temple and there's 88 temples. Actually, there's uh, 122 and there's more. uh, But the the real route is uh, 88 temples. So you start from one and you go to 88. Uh, You can do by... Bicycle, car, bus, whatever you want. And a popular one among foreigners is walking. Um, And you walk this route and it says that if you have like a wish or if you have something you want to achieve and you walk the route, uh, at the end, uh, it's gonna like come to you, it's gonna be complete or whatever it is. Uh, So yeah, and it's good for the body. And you have four parts of it, so I don't remember exactly what are the words for the parts, but the first one is like, you're training your mind kind of thing. Uh, It's the hard part. And the second part, it's separate by perfection. The second part is the, um, is it the first part? No, the first part is the excitement part, I think. The second part is the hard part. The third part is, oh, I don't remember the names exactly. But actually, the last part is the enlightenment, they say. So it's the part that you're having fun and you you know you're walking for a reason. Uh, and then you wake up in the morning and it's, like, easier. I put, like, quotes like that. It's not easier. It doesn't get easier. But at least your mindset has just shifted and changed and you're doing something in, during the day. And, yeah, and just Shikoku Island is just so beautiful. It's just, like, a place that... Oh, that's why I want to go back. It's beautiful. Every prefecture there's four prefectures. mine mine one, main one, and um, they are different. Like you have the sea, you have the bay, you have the mountains, you have like big cities, small cities, or abandoned cities, and it's just like so beautiful. And every temples are different. There's 88, and they're all different, they have their own stories. And it was introduced by um, Kyukai um, Kobo Daishi, um, he's quite famous in the Buddhism scene here. Uh, he's the one who introduced Buddhism uh, from China to here, uh, maybe 1,200 years ago, if I'm not saying wrong. Um, so yeah, and he was walking all these temples to visit them. and. To actually these places and he built up these kind of temples and yeah so this ah, is wonderful.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have a question about how easy it is to find <laughs> vegan foods in Japan and I think this ties into the question I wanted to ask about how easy was it to eat vegan for 60 days in Shikoku. Were you, were you able to find food along your journey?
1: Yes, actually um, I was really lucky that other people <laughs> went before me and they were vegetarian or vegan. So I was not expecting much because the first time I did it, um, I couldn't see myself doing it again and being vegan at the same time. So I was like questioning myself. So I got prepared. Uh, I got, of course, Happy call on my phone at the time. I started to look for places or even the Okan offering vegan meals but you don't know until you're there. So you have this little map, paper map, or it can be on your phone um, for pilgrims. And then I opened it and I was looking for places and I called and I just said, okay, I'm vegan, what can you provide to me? Like tofu and veggies is fine and rice because you can't carry all the time all your stuff with you. So there's so many things that um, you can put in place when you're doing a pilgrimage like that, especially in Japan. But I was lucky that a lot of places, they say, oh, we're used to it. We know vegetarians and vegans. And then they're more open-minded about it. They are more willing to try to accommodate you. But some places, they said directly, like, no. And I was like, okay, let me call another place. Um, But carrying your food with you. So I was eating as much simple as possible. So like bananas, sweet potatoes, onigiri, or it was hard to be sustainable, to be honest, because there's a lot of plastic involved. Um, Yeah, so and then mikan, mikan season. uh, There's so many kind of uh, citrusy fruits in Shikoku. Um, Yeah, so I was eating like snacks a lot. So the easiest way for me was to have breakfast where I was uh, living at the time, in the morning, I uh, was staying. And sometimes they pack you a lunch. So onigiri, they were really nice. So they pack you like onigiri with umeboshi inside or uh, kelp seaweed or I don't know how you say in English, kelp. yeah, uh, Kombu. And then that was easiest way. Uh, but when I had nothing for lunch, usually I was making a little break for lunch, but you're walking so much. You're walking around 25 to 30 kilometers a day so you don't have time to sit down and have just like a, a big meal you can make the time for it but it was not part of my routine for me it was to eat like little snacks during the day so as I said fruits or snacking on veggies or onigiri or just like crispy soy joys <laughs> they were my favorite at the time
0: you, you have and to when have I them, those energy bars in that. your bag yeah. right to keep you going in case you can't find something <laughs> yes Um, I've been to Shikoku many times because we're in Hiroshima, so the next island over. Um, I haven't done the pilgrimage. The pilgrimage looks amazing. Mm -hmm. I'd love to have the time to do that. Um, Some things that maybe you found along the way, which I love and sometimes I see around this area, is the honesty boxes. So you've got local farmers who have their vegetables or their fruit in a box. And it has a price. And, and in your honest way, you mm-hmm. just put the money in the box and you take what you've paid for. I love yeah. that about Japan. And amazing. I, did you see that while you yes. were doing the pilgrimage?
1: A lot. And I got excited every time I see one. Like, I could, I could spot them really far. And then, oh, okay, they're citrusy. And then I was running and then like put my 100 yen or 200 yen and get my oranges. But it's always a carrying part. But if I was hungry at the time, that was amazing for that, yeah. And drinking a lot of water, you know, when you move and, yeah.
0: Did you find enough places to refill for water along yes. the way? Yeah, it's really easy. Okay. Uh, a
1: lot of parts we walk, it's in the city. So you can, like, fill up your bottle even in a um, uh, combini. I mean, for me, I don't mind. A lot of people don't do that, but I just go tap water in the combini. uh like toilet place kind of part, yeah. Um, yeah. Not from the toilet, just to... <laughs> from the sink. Yeah, <laughs> from the <this> sink. <thing.
0: laughs> yeah. No, but that makes such a difference. And this is a recommendation mm-hmm. that I really want to make to businesses, um, yeah. especially as it becomes hotter and hotter in mm-hmm. in summer or all year. We need to be drinking water. So my Mizu, Robin mm-hmm. Lewis and his team have done a, such a good job in doing an app which lists anywhere you can refill um but we need more refill places in japan we need more places you can just put your bottle Mm -hmm. under and refill easily it is a little bit hard still yeah um so i'm hoping the businesses will start to see the benefit of having Mm -hmm. free water available and it brings people in brings in new Mm -hmm. customers so Mm -hmm. hopefully slowly slowly um (laughs) one of the things uh, let's switch gears a little bit one of the things you talk about in your blog is about crisis self-care and i think this is really uh good to talk about this month because we're kind of Mm -hmm. commemorating the 10th anniversary of the tohoku disaster so we've had place to grow we've had um jane nakata people in the series talking about their experience 10 years ago around the tohoku area Mm -hmm. um how do you help your clients Mm -hmm. think about getting over crisis or Mm -hmm. doing thinking about self-care it's so important Mm
1: -hmm. thank you for asking um it came like for me, the first time it came from the fact that I didn't know I had anxiety until COVID ha- happened. <laughs> and then I experienced some, uh, to resume what I'm saying on the podcast about that, is that I got my first panic attack in Costco last year uh, when people were getting crazy on toilet paper and food supply and all this stuff. So seeing all the shelves empty was really giving me anxiety and I didn't know at the time I was experiencing anxiety. Um, and then I was like, okay, Bridget, you can't stay in that. You can like just having crisis and crisis every time you go to the rice alley and not seeing anything on the shelf. So I was like, how can you go through this um, and take care of yourself and survive uh, on that? Because if I'm not mentally stable, I will not be able to sustain my body and my mind and my, um, my spiritual high, whatever you want to call it. So for me, it was important to um, reflect on my experience about that and make the link with people that I know around me. They have anxiety um, from certain situations or anxiety uh, because of fear of something. And during crisis, because we all went through the same thing from COVID, so for me it was the first entry, and then I realized some people, they have uh, anxiety crisis, um, like how do you say anxiety episodes? Yeah, Uh, from uh, being around people because they have social anxiety. Um, They can't take the train, they can't take the plane and all this stuff. So I was like, okay, how do I do that? Like how do I scale this? to be able to coach people, not only when they are in a crisis moment, but when they experience like day-to-day life. So it was first of all, to make them understand that their priority in life it's themselves. It's when you come back to the priority of your life, it's you. And when you understand it, because that's, I think that's the thing people understand the concept of You have to be your own priority because if you don't function well, you are not be be able to help someone. But to apply it in your life, it's something else. So for me, it was important to make them understand that and understand why we're working on themselves. And so it goes by a method that I use. In French, I call it OCAA. So it means it's not for me. I I got it from my coaching um, experience. Um, And then it's observing for the first one is observing. So you observe your situation, you observe your emotion, as I said before, uh, about the situation specifically. Like the one, if it could be a crisis, it can be like something you fear, it can be like a phobia. You observe it and you see how you react and how you feel at that moment. And then the second letter letter is, um, it's C for in French is uh, to understand so in English will be you. So it's uh, understanding the situation, what's happening in my head at the time, what are my thoughts, what uh, what I want to express, uh, what do I can do about this situation. So when you understand the situation, when you understand, you observe what you're, where you're coming from, you understand how you feel, uh, what you want to do about the situation, how do you want to feel it, and what do you want to feel. It's Time to go for action. So the last A is action, taking action on it. You take action on it, and this is what we do in, in coaching. So regarding anxiety, what I what I understand about anxiety is that you're fearing something that it's not happening yet. So for me, if I come back to my example, being in Costco, seeing all these people getting crazy about the food, like uh, about the food, the toilet paper, for me, it was an experience of anxiety because I was projecting myself of in um, a space of, how to say, lack? Yeah, lack of needs like food or toilet paper or clothes or whatever. I was projecting myself in the future. So if we go back to the definition of anxiety, it's projecting yourself in something that didn't happen yet. So you have fear, you have uh, assumption, about something that didn't happen. So to come back to the situation right now, to mindfulness, you help at least to reduce your anxiety. So when you understand it, um, the second step, when you act on it, you're ready to act on it, but in the present moment. You're not acting on something that it's not there yet, but you're acting now to prevent this anxiety to happen. So, it's go it can be like um, doing a plan for it. Like uh, if you know that you have anxiety during crisis or uh, earthquake or stuff like that, it can be for you to build up a security bag. So to take advance, like um, advanced step step ahead, step ahead the situation and see, okay, this is the only thing that I can do right now. It's to build up my emergency bag for earthquake or tsunami or whatever. You do that, you take action on it and you understand why you're doing it. It's not just like, I will do it because everybody's doing it. You understand why you're doing this step for yourself. After that, the anxiety goes down a little. But the last A of OCAA, it's accepting. It's accepting what you can't change. There's things that you can't change. And for example, you don't know when the next earthquake will be. You don't know when the next tsunami will be. You don't know when the next crisis will be. So you have to just accept that is life and to come back to the present moment and say like, right now, I'm grateful for what I have. I can breathe, I'm healthy, I'm this, I'm that. It really helps you to reduce your anxiety. Yeah, I think that answered the question
0: that's wonderful I'm showing on screen right now one of the comments from one of your clients I feel like I'm a little more at peace and with who I am with my needs and with my emotions as the sessions go on so Mm -hmm. it's it's what you were talking about about acceptance Mm -hmm. and and understanding yourself you know Mm -hmm. I talked to a life coach and business coach Helen Iwata Mm-hmm. in the series and she's talking about even understanding your menstrual cycle so that you know when your emotions are going to be higher, you know when you're going to be more irritable and yeah. don't plan meetings during those difficult times of the month mm-hmm. for you. So even that level of self-awareness mm-hmm. can really help, right? Yes
1: and something really um in the core values of my practice or my coaching with my clients is to have compassion and empathy for ourselves because most of the time we are able and we can have compassion for others. It's easy. It's n- n- human natural and uh, natural human. Yeah. <laughs> you got me there. Um, it's human's nature, um, to be compassionate and empathic for someone, but sometimes we forget ourselves. So to be compassionate and empathic for ourselves first and put ourselves first I think that's the best way to help the world right now uh, to help ourselves on a small scale and then we can help on a bigger scale after that definitely
0: and there's another feedback about meditation Mm -hmm. and it it seems like meditation and self-awareness and understanding where you are and what you're doing is so connected can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about how you coach people to understand how to practice meditation?
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, actually, meditation, usually how I teach it in coaching, is like I give definition. If the pe- it depends. Some people, they come to me, they already have a practice of meditation, but they want to integrate it as a habit every day and some they came to me and they don't know what it is but they want to try so it's one of the first tools I gave them um and I to be honest I just tell them we have you have to experience it. You have to find what suits you because there's so many things out there. Guided meditation, uh, meditation with only music, silence, or with ritual before and after, uh, affirmations. So you choose whatever it feels you, uh, it suits you. But we go together with all the things that you can experience. And I'm there to help them to build up their best and their um, most appropriate uh, kind of meditation habit so it depends the time uh, some people they have problems to put them to put it in their schedule and that could be just to liberate some space to do it and everything and everybody will experience something different from meditation and um, when you start you get all these frustration because you're like oh I couldn't do more than one minute or oh I'm doing it and then they're like oh no I'm thinking that I'm I'm doing it like, oh no, that doesn't work. And that and I explained them that meditation is not the fact it's not the the act of thinking of nothing. It's just to come back to your center and just be and observe. So it's observing what's going on in your head, like the like the thinking that you can have and just not getting attached to it. So it's practicing not to be attached to some sort of thinking and let it go and some of my clients they come to me and they say yeah but I have so many good ideas like during meditation and I want to take notes and I want and I said it's not the time (laughs) and they hate that when I say this because they're like okay this is not what I'm expecting from you but you know but it's not the time when you're meditating I always say like if you feel better keep a notebook next to you and you can open your eyes and write it down and come back to it later. But I always say like good ideas will always find their way to yourself. So they will always come back. So at that time is really a time for you to take a break um, just to observe what's going on and trust, trust the process, trust the fact that, these ideas will come back or these um, things that you have to do on your to-do list will come back to you after. Mm-hmm. If they don't come back, it's not a big deal because they were not important to you. So um, so yeah, to, to do this practice every day or at least when you need it at the beginning, it depends on people. Um, I encourage my coaches really to do it every day for a certain amount of days so at least they can know the benefit of it and what they can get out of it as much as possible and how they want to use it and what's their style and everything um but after a, a time some people they can't go through it uh so every day uh so we find a way so they understand as we said earlier to observe themselves and when you know there's a peak of emotion or when you know this this event happening um they know they can use this meditation as a tool uh but usually i, I always uh, encourage people to practice every day at least even if it's two minutes or even one minute break just to breathe uh to come back to their breathing and acknowledge the inhale and excel um it's so much calming and it helps i think everybody can have beneficial in any way it can be business-wise can be uh, uh, emotionally wise it can be focused as we said earlier knowing more yourself dealing with difficult uh, situation like crisis or just like a fight with someone yeah so I don't remember to question and <laughs> I a lot but yeah
0: I think I think that's so true and that's something that I've learned uh, many years of yoga or trying meditation is to let things go and Mm -hmm. to give up control Mm -hmm. for things you really can't control in your life, especially other people. You Mm -hmm. can't control what other people are gonna do or say. right? And Mm -hmm. I think coming to that realization allows you to feel more free. You Mm -hmm. just try to control yourself. You just try to be aware of your own feelings and what you are saying. And in that way, you can have a positive effects on the people in the world around you. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a great realization.
1: Yeah, and totally. in, in terms true. of
0: meditation training, um, some schools across the world are starting mm-hmm. to get kids to practice meditation. Yeah, and they're yeah. learning so much about the ability for the kids then to focus better or to take in new information. So there's so many wonderful benefits of mm-hmm. trying to clear your mind, even if you can't, right? Just the practice yeah. of trying to clear your mind can be beneficial in itself. Right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You it's- have so many beautiful photos from Utsuki, Utsuki in Uita. Yes. Yeah. Now, I lived in Oita for three years, mm-hmm. many years ago, but I, I don't remember going to Utsuki. So tell me about it. It looks amazing.
1: Yeah, Utsuki is really nice. Actually, that trip was um, a weekend trip. Um, I got invited by the French French embassy here. I think it was the French embassy. Oh, yeah, I think it was. I don't remember. And they wanted to it was a group of um of people french people here living in japan so i had the blog at a time i started the blog and the podcast so it was an entry for me to say oh okay so i am going to talk about you on the blog and on podcast and on my instagram and they were like okay cool and there was another a friend now uh, she's a journalist French journalist here in Japan and another friend, she was a guy, a tourist guide. So we all went there. um, Yeah. And they invited us and it was just like during the Lantern uh, uh, Matsuri, like a festival. And it was so amazing. They light up for one night, they light up thousands. I don't remember exactly. Thousands and thousands of um, little candles in a bamboo kind of shape uh it was just so cool like like people they put their effort together and everybody's so proud of it and uh It was beautiful. We had a nice experience, really good food. They accommodated me for my, (laughs) my vegan food. And I had shojin yori at the time. Uh, So it's like the Buddhist, uh, Buddhist meal. It was so good, Uh, really intentional and really nice people. And actually they wanted us to go there to talk about the, um, the uski about the city because they were supposed, I don't, maybe you know more than me, they were supposed to have the um, football World Cup. Rugby World Cup, maybe? Yeah, rugby, rugby World, World Cup. So you know more than me. So they were expecting more and more tourists. At the time uh, for that so they were preparing and they knew that they had a lot of French tourists so for them for us to go there and they were asking us like a lot of questions about like what can we accommodate for people um, to be able to uh, travel around the city and make it easier so translating everything in English and they translate stuff in French and it's key that is amazing they have a French guy uh, He's Japanese, but a French guide, Um, and he's working at the the center, and he's translating everything in French to be able to receive people. And yeah, so I don't know how it went went with the COVID for the World Cup. I think it was just before, right?
0: The Rugby World Cup was 2000, yeah, right before COVID. So it was the last. It was a huge event. Actually, it was such a successful tourism event in Japan and we're in Hiroshima and we were we were thinking it would have been wonderful if the Olympics had been done like the rugby all over Japan instead of just in one area. Because we we saw people, we didn't have games here, but we saw people going down to Kyushu so they would stop in Hiroshima for a couple of days. It was was wonderful, such great energy. And uh, in Hiroshima, we have the famous Miyajima Island. Yes. and the giant torii gate in the water and they were the last big group of tourists to see that because mm-hmm. now it's under scaffolding for the next few years oh no so yeah they they were lucky they had you know great travels in japan before covid mm-hmm. hopefully we can go back to some semblance of that in uh, future travel once covid is kind of under control um, but I want to go and visit Utsuki. It looks amazing.
1: It's pretty. It is yeah. pretty city and really nice people.
0: That's yeah. great. Uh, let's talk about one more topic. We have about seven more minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about fast fashion. Yes. And I love your quote. Um, I think fast fashion, the idea of buying less and your concept of minimalism and yeah. decluttering, it all goes together, right? Yes.
1: Yes. All go together. Yeah.
0: Your quote from your blog, uh, to reduce my carbon footprint and avoid as much as possible, encouraging companies that do not have the workforce at heart. I borrow. I exchange. I rent. I buy secondhand or I buy local and ethical. In Mm. that order. (laughs) And I thought that was amazing. I've never Mm. heard of renting clothes. Have Mm -hmm. you found rental clothes? That's funny
1: you're asking because uh, where we work with Ecolocard at the um, working space, there's this company, they are a startup and they are trying to rent clothes right now. And I said, that's amazing when I was talking with the girl uh, over there because in Canada, it's quite, easier right now. It's getting easier and easier. And I got introduced by a friend in Montreal who started four years ago, I think her rental company. And I thought it was amazing because I was about to go to Canada for, uh, at the time for a wedding. And I didn't have anything here and I didn't want to buy anything. Uh, and I didn't want to carry like, uh, you know, a dress and then you arrive there, you have to hurry up and clean it. And yeah, so it's not that nice. Um, and I didn't want to bring it back because I wanted to bring back maple syrup instead of a dress. <laughs> so for me, it was important. Um, so I I found this friend, uh, she said, yeah, I have this rental company. And I was like, oh, that is amazing. Like, can I rent a dress for for the wedding and she said yeah sure no problem and it cost me 50 bucks to rent a dress a red dress like your shirt i i I didn't have like the i I couldn't have imagined myself buying it like to wear red like this uh, for this event with the shoes so i rent the shoes and the dress for 50 bucks it was so cheap and it was like a high designer in montreal and i was like wow this is so cool and then when i met the girl here uh the E.colocal working space, I was amazed that it's already here and I'm really excited for that. So there's many things that you can do in Japan. There's this swap. Uh, how, how is it exactly? I'm not going to say it right again. Uh, like swap Tokyo?
0: Three, swa- swap Tokyo? cycle? Like swapping? Close swap? Yeah. Yes. But yeah, that's an awesome idea. And it's it's wonderful to exchange and to lend things, Mm -hmm. but to actually have a shop where you can rent something just for a special occasion Mm -hmm. and rent something that you don't want to buy and just wear once. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe your friends don't have your size. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard of this in other countries, too. I love the concept of just renting or having a closed library. I've heard about Mm -hmm. where you can be a member and you can borrow clothes from the clothes library. So these innovative concepts, so great. I'm really Mm -hmm. looking forward to that coming and I hope they have my size. (laughs) (laughs) Which is always an issue in Japan, especially Mm -hmm. shoe size. As a a woman, (gasps) I wear 26 centimeters size shoes. And so, quite often, the Japanese shoe shop, they'll just point towards the men's section. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, like, but I want women's shoes sometimes, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I totally understand. I'm 24.5, 25. And even still, it's like the average. So, when I go secondhand shopping for my shoes, for example, when I found a pair, I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Like, because these sizes just go away really fast and then you have the 23 after that so yeah so yeah but secondhand shopping in japan just saying for people who are out there it's so much fun there's so many things and there's variety of clothes like foreigner clothes and japanese traditional clothes and every size and every uh, colors, whatever you want and there's so many places um so yeah i i wish to be able to put some more information on ecola can maps at one point about uh secondhand shopping but right now is my my go-to options or exchange clothes with my roommate uh once in a while so that's cool too yeah
0: yeah but that whole concept of decluttering right, Um, goes together so well with buying Mm -hmm. things secondhand or renting things or borrowing things and giving it back and keeping the clutter out of your house, which Mm -hmm. I think can help you feel so much more free. Mm -hmm. I I feel really stressed by having so much clutter around. And I know that you've done declutter challenges. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yes. The challenge was just like a little entry for me to talk about minimalism and talk about like decluttering on my platform. And it led me to attract clients who want to declutter now and live more sustainable and minimal life and yeah so the challenge was 30 days challenge so it's really easy it's like you declutter something like really easy as like I have uh how to say this pair of jeans that I didn't wear for two years and I just get rid of it like I donate it or I give it to a friend or whatever and it's just like one little thing every day or small things every day. And they are obvious things that we don't think about. So I thought for you, (laughs) I thought for you for these 30 days, 31 days, and I gave everything on the, on the, the Instagram and on the blog. So you don't have to think about it. You just have to go through the list and say, okay, I'm going to try to do it. But this is just to help your mind to get used to it, like the muscle mind of decluttering, because it's another muscle mind, uh, to be able to say, okay, this glass, I didn't use it for like, I don't know, three years. It's just like behind my cupboard. So I'm just going to get rid of it. But at the same time, like, oh, there's emotional attached to it and how to make difference between there's emotion attached to it and why I want to declutter and where I want to go, because it's more just than how many things you have decluttering or minimalism it's just like to make more space for the things you really want to have in your life and to make more space in your inner peace and your inner mind so as you said it's just to have few things to be more at peace some people they like to have things and they enjoy it and if it brings you joy and if you feel like you like it and it makes you at peace uh keep it I mean, there's no rules to minimalism. There's no rules to be intentional about what you have in your life. Um, But it's just like to ask these questions, like observing, understanding, take action on it. So that's why it really comes back to mindfulness and awareness about your surrounding, about things. But it's emotional declutterings too, I do with my coaches. Uh, We go through relationship or uh, about uh, relationship with ourselves, what words we use to be minimal uh, in our way of talking, think twice before talking about all this communication kind of things with other people, communication with yourself. It goes to this too. It's not only decluttering your surrounding or things, it's decluttering something in your mind. So that's why meditation goes hand to hand too. But uh, yeah, the 30 days challenge, it's a good entry to it. But if you would like to experience more or even new joy, I can come to your place in Hiroshima <laughs> and help you with some things if you want. This is something I offer to with some coaches. Yeah, for sure.
0: I love that. I love that because you're right. You have some kind of emotional attachment to things sometimes. And uh, but don't you love it when you move house? Or you move from one place to another and you have to get rid of everything. And then you look back on the empty room and you think, I love it when it's empty. You know? <laughs> and how you yeah. you have emotional attachment or emotional baggage in mm-hmm. your life, too. You're mm-hmm. doing things which are not good for you, but it's out of habit. Yes. Yeah. So decluttering your life, decluttering your house. I love it. Great advice. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for joining today, Brigitte. That was
1: wonderful. Thank you. Thanks to you for having me. That was amazing. I enjoyed it. Thanks.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and helping us think more about how to live a better life. I love that. We always need reminders um that's we don't have a talk tomorrow uh have a nice weekend everyone take care of yourself and we have a great week a week of talks again next week so please join us again next week thank you so much for joining Brigitte thank you everybody for joining have a great day bye 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 I hope you enjoyed the episode today if you want to learn more about the work that I do, have a look at inboundambassador.com. You can also sponsor the work that I'm doing on the YouTube channel, Patreon, buy me a coffee, coffee or haps. Have a great day.